welcome to Lift Hands Big Victories, where we provide the information that you need to create victories in the lives of the little ones you love and support. I'm your host, Candy, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a pediatric occupational therapist, a board-certified behavior analyst, an autism interventionist, and here to join me on this journey is my husband, my pastor, Greg. Greg, can you tell me which movie series had the longest passage of time between episode one and episode two? I think it was Dumb and Dumber, maybe, or was it just called Dumb and Dumber 2, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> no, but we will answer this question and pick up where we left off in our last episode as we talk about part two of Toys, Tools for Play. And how we can use toys to support the development of little ones we love and support. Greg, you know why I'm talking about long-awaited series. You know how much I wanted to get back into podcasting. Well, how long has it been between part one of this series and your part two of this sequel? Well, a shameful 20 months. But here we are. We're so happy to be back recording episodes. For those of you who did not know we both had COVID, as many of our listeners did. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it started mild and got ugly. We actually did really well at the beginning, and on day 14, we both went to the ER. Yeah, and on day 16, I had developed extensive pneumonia, and I had to be hospitalized. Yeah, but through it all, God took care of us. Oh, yeah, He did. He he used wonderful friends, family, healthcare workers to meet all of our needs. And more than our needs, really. Um, nurses came to our home. Friends and family did porch drop-offs of delicious meals, get-well packages and treats. Yeah, and we were comforted by knowing that many were praying. Our faith was increased by the many prayers we knew were being said on our behalf. That's right. You know, many people had been saying since that early pandemic, they'd say, Greg, if you get COVID, that will be a death sentence for you with all of your risk factors. Were you ever scared? You know, how can you be scared uh, even if we do die? What a wonderful life it'll be with the Lord. Amen. We have that assurance, right? Yes, we, don't have we to, do. We don't have to fear death. So I just kept thinking about the scripture I have stood on. I kept saying over and over during our quarantine and you're about with pneumonia and really any time you have had a health crisis, I always say God is working in us a far and exceeding weight of glory. I, I love those promises God gives us in Second Corinthians 4. It says um, we have this treasure and earthen vessels, and that, that's really all we are, Greg's. We're just like jars of clay. Yeah, and it says we're troubled on every side. We're not distressed. Amen. We're perplexed, confused maybe, but we are not in despair. Our outward man perishes, but our inward man is renewed, thank God, day by day. Amen. That is that assurance you talked about. And the other part that I love is that part that says, For our light affliction is but for a moment and worketh. In us, a far and exceeding eternal weight of glory. Amen. That's right. So, Greg, this is a bit different than our previous episodes, but we really have built our testimony in the past year. And, uh, you know, we believe what the Bible says, that we are made overcomers by the word of our tense testimony. And God, you know, answered another prayer for us, didn't he? Oh, man. Yes, he did. Um, I was able to transfer to another ECI program that allows me to focus on service delivery. It doesn't require me to also provide service coordination. 
there are other more qualified people who do that for my families. And and reduce stress level. <laughs> That's right. Tremendously. And now I have a bit more time to get back to this podcast and the things that I love, including our grands, which God added two more and one more on the way. So in honor of our return, we doing a giveaway. A giveaway. Money, maybe? Gift <laughs> oh, cards? No. Come on, candy bars. Come on, tell me it's Little Debbie's. No, no, no. Better uh, than that. So we are giving away a custom hat created by Flossie Circle H Designs. Oh, yeah. They're they're local, right? Yes. And they have created hats with our podcast logo. They have vintage gray fabric with a beautiful leather patch with gorgeous stitching. And I'll have an image of it on our Facebook page. So for a chance to win, just comment and share our Facebook link that says giveaway. Yeah, and what should they comment? Well, anything, really. Just tag someone, give an opinion, say amen, whatever. So this long-awaited sequel is going to be worth the wait, just as the cinematic icon of Mary Poppins was in 1964. And she had her sequel 54 years later. So, in comparison, this wait hasn't been all that long. And with a spoonful of sugar? Let's talk about toys for the toddler years. So, according to the CDC, a toddler is between the ages of 1 to 3, but today we're going to start with the 24 to 36 month old. So, I know that we mentioned toys in the previous episodes, and those toys that we talked about, such as blocks and puzzles, we're going to continue to talk about them. And we're going to move into the toddler stages, and we're going to see that we can use many of the same materials that we used before, but in new and more challenging ways. So don't worry that they aren't getting new toys frequently. It's not about the toy itself. It's uh, more about being novel and using them in a novel way. And parents and caregivers can do that by supporting them in their way they interact with them and playing with them in these new novel ways that support higher level of skill. John Maziata, a professor at UCLA, said, Practicing the simple stuff makes the acquisition of later skills more efficient. Mm -hmm. And for children, play and repetition is practice for what? Those later skills. That's right. So when we look at how the hand develops, for example, it's developing more refined skills. And so we look at what we call visual motor skills. So that's how a child uses their eyes and hands together. And this brings up the conversation about how important it is to know that your child sees well. When a child's fine motor skills are delayed or really any delay in movement is observed, we want to not neglect ruling out a visual deficit. The skill of vision and the confidence provided to a child who can clearly see his world can't be underestimated in how it influences movement and their response to the environment. Yeah, but what age do you take your child to the the eye doctor? Well, at any age, if there's a concern, if a parent has a concern, please speak to your pediatrician about a referral. But at school and at preschool, they'll do a vision screening, but... Even though that is a good starting point, it is not sufficient or equal to an eye exam. As a parent, you start to look at how your child holds her head. Is she consistently tilting it to see items? Does she neglect or appear not to pay attention to items on one side of the high chair or tray or table or room? Is she tilting her head back when watching TV? Is she very close to the TV or the screen or the book? During my evaluations, if a child is not looking at the person speaking to him 
or is not at least looking, but also not tapping or patting on pictures in a book, we red flag these items and automatically refer out for a vision evaluation. In addition, many babies who have had a hard start are at risk for deficits, not only due to a diagnosis, but also related to prematurity and low birth weight. So we want to keep that in mind even as they age. Well, toddlers and glasses, aren't they the cutest? (laughs) Yes, they are very cute. But goodness, it's sometimes a real battle to get them to wear them. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. So my recommendation goes back to behavior principles, of course. And this one is the principle of conditioning. So I coach my parents in identifying a highly preferred activity and make access to that contingent upon wearing glasses. What what exactly does that mean? Well, simply require that they have glasses on while reading their preferred book, watching their favorite video, or coloring in their favorite coloring book. Kids learn quickly. So it's just like the little ones who really prefer not to wear shoes, but along the way, naturally, parents have required the child to put shoes on before they go outside, And little ones will frequently go get their shoes and willingly put them on to access those fun things that exist beyond that door. Well, that makes sense. Kind of like a first-then concept. That is exactly right. And at this age, those traditional blocks that they have hopefully been manipulating and playing with, they are such a good investment. And your child at this age should be able to stack those blocks, eight of them. There are multiple skills that your child is laying the foundation for with those little two-inch simple items. And with the support, they can learn positional words and concepts such as on, under, in front of, behind, things like tall and short, up and down. You can start working on colors and numbers and many other things. Um, The child is learning to respond to you when you ask questions like, can I have one or can I have one more? Two-year-olds are learning concepts such as many and few. One of my favorite social interaction concepts that can be introduced really months before now can be continued, and it's the concept of my turn, your turn. Yeah, but can two-year-olds share? Yeah, well, they can, especially if they have been supported, reinforced, and given lots of praise and affirmation through interactive play with the family and caregivers. These continually refining visual motor skills will allow your little one at this stage to do things like string beads. And I like those wooden colorful beads. Uh, These little ones want to continue to put items in their mouth, so be sure you get the bigger beads and cubes for now. They typically come with a lacing string, but I start with the pop cleaner until my little ones master that, and then we can move on to the lace a little bit harder. And as always, we can use readily available, inexpensive items such as Cheerios or pasta instead of those wooden beads. I've even used toilet paper tubes that I cut into smaller rings. Yeah, and we always say that you can support a child's development with many items that you don't even have to buy at stores. That's right. Toddlers at this age are refining their preschool readiness skills. We should be thinking about school at two years old. Yep. Well, at this age, they're really beginning to learn to use the materials that are typically used in preschool settings, like writing utensils, 
and scissors. You didn't say scissors. <laughs> yes, I did say scissors. Um, and I said beginning to learn. So let's think of the hand skills needed for scissor use. Yeah, open, squeeze. Yeah, basically. Um, we think about that thumb position and those refined hand skills that you see. Those can be addressed through other less dangerous items such as tongs and spray bottles. There are many items that you can purchase that are little kits with with those small tongs and sorting items in there. Um, Learning Resources is a brand I've ordered before, but I've also seen those plastic tongs in the educational set section at the Dollar Tree. I've bought them on clearance after Easter, those little egg tongs, and you can have your child use those to pick up items such as cotton balls or balls of foil or little miniature items that you probably already have in your junk drawer or toy box. And Many parents are surprised uh, when I say that by three, a child should be able to snip paper. And you know what else is a great toy? The Play-Doh Barbershop. Oh, I saw one of the grandgirls playing with that. Yes, and I really enjoyed this myself. So Play-Doh squeezes out of the character's head in the barber chair. That is so cool. (laughs) It really is. And it has these little small safety scissors. And that's what you use to cut their hair once it oozes out of their head. And I just bought one. And the newer model has a a little buzzer hair clipper. So um, many bilateral coordination skills can be addressed with this toy. And, yeah, it's kind of messy. But, hey, kids should get messy. Well, what about drawing and coloring? Yeah. So toddlers are learning to use writing utensils at this age. And many families are a little bit resistant to address the skill because of fear that their child or mark on the walls or the furniture. However, there are safe alternatives to that. So Melissa and Doug and Crayola both have these water-based markers that do not mark on items. They only mark on these special paper or these special books. Melissa and Doug, theirs are called Water Wow, and Crayola's products are called Color Wonder. Two-year-olds can learn to color and imitate a circular and vertical stroke modeled by an adult at this age. And with all of these skills, I coach parents in being consistent as always, consistent with the verbal prompts. Uh, Whatever you like to say, be consistent and brief with these prompts, and it'll help your little one to understand that that motor movement, um, what's expected of them during that time. Coloring and cutting is really a multi-skill, very complex action. So I like to help them out by using word prompts, like line down, line across. And with those scissors, I'll say open, close, open, close. I know it sounds simple, but it just adds a bit of support for our little ones that you can fade as they become more skilled. Well, what about riding toys? Our grand girl got a balance bike for Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah, she did. And I like riding toys. Um, I kind of like, for a two-year-old, I like the ones without pedals. At first, uh, they'll eventually be ready for pedals. Other types can be pushed with their feet and are good for balance. And I like those Y-backs. What is that? You know, it's like a track that literally looks like the letter Y. A child can push it with their legs, and it's very low to the ground. This gross motor play just really explodes at, at this age, and a toddler is creating a sensory picture of how body parts are related through these dynamic activities. As you know, toddlers are doing things like kicking, running, jumping in place, jumping on and off items, walking backwards, creating tactile and proprioceptive experiences. These kids can create their own experiences here within outdoors and indoors. And, you know, when we go outside, I'm kind of a rule breaker here. And so if it's all clear, going up a slide is really a great activity that I encourage. 
Did you ever get in trouble for going up a slide? I went up every slide in Bowie, Texas. <laughs> and uh, I understand you went up more than just the slide. What else did you go up? Well, I went up the fire uh, <laughs> the fire. fire slide at the junior high <laughs> and did get in trouble for that. Yeah, I would imagine. Okay. Well, as we move into the older ages, we can think about toys that support imagination and social skills, such as dolls and action figures, dress-up items, and pretend play. Well, what do you recommend parents purchase? Like costumes, you know, like super cape, Superman capes, maybe? Or maybe lightsabers? Mm, absolutely not necessary. Parents and caregivers can support and model the use of common items in new and imaginative ways. Now, I just recently came across some research, and it really amazed me as far as the relationship between play and language. It demonstrated that first word acquisition was related to symbolic play. Uh, what exactly is symbolic play? Well, it might be pretending to drink from an empty cup or giving a stuffed animal a bite of a pretend apple or something like that. It showed that combining actions together in symbolic play leads to combining words together, like two-word phrases. So pretend play is linked to language development, not just in a general way, but this research suggested that it's in a way that seems really more systematic. So... You know, Greg, I could go on and on about toys. And you often do. Mm -hmm, I know. Um, I really had to think about where I would stop at this episode. What I really wanted to do in this episode is not only give our listeners examples of good classic supportive toys, but to show parents how to choose a toy or item to support learning. I really wanted our listeners to know that it doesn't have to be fancy or expensive. In fact, when I was in OT school, I heard a term that I had not heard before. But I really think about it often, and that's the phrase, the therapeutic use of self. And I've used that term a lot, especially when I coach my families in recognizing the value of them as their parent or caregiver. So no toy can replace that or one-up that. Your model as a parent or caregiver, your prompts, your praise, your touch, your affirmation cannot be equaled in its power to support a child. So... That being said, Greg, how can we relate all of this back to the Bible? Well, the more I learn about how complicated the growth and development of children is, the more I go back to the Scripture in Psalms 139. There he is, King David. Man, what a wonderful man he was. You know, the Bible says he was a mighty man of valor. You know, and it might not have been he was a little red, ruddy, red-headed boy uh, that didn't have great muscles and all those things that we think in our mind. He had the power and the might of God. He said, he said, for you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Candy, I love that David did not have fancy scientific words for the real gut feeling he had about how amazing our Creator is. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of me, uh, just using the simple words I know to describe how I feel. And, and when he said, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together. It's like he said, God, you took my guts and you shaped me, my brain, mm -hmm. all those nerves. You, you wove them all together and created this unique person that I am. The skills you talked about today, Candy, are the things we see children do naturally all the time. 
and to analyze it like you have and the early childhood professionals do show us that something that seems so simple Mm -hmm. is really quite complex. And there is a great scripture that speaks to that so well. 1 Corinthians says, But God has chosen the foolish things or the simple things Mm -hmm. of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. To see a child grow, learn, imitate, give me hugs, sometimes gives me, uh, they give me the old armpit plunge (laughs) and bring me such joy. There's just nothing short of confounding. God is truly amazing and children are reminding us of this every day through every milestone. Now it's time for our Let It Shine moment. Matthew 5:16 says, "Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father." During our let it shine moment, we take a life application of today's topic. Sometimes we will feature a ministry opportunity, and other times we'll support an outreach or a ministry. Little Hands family, this is your call to action. So this week, we are going to bring it home, Greg. We are going to shine a light on our own awesome children's ministry. It's called Kids for Truth. This Wednesday evening outreach ministry has grown to serve at least 194 children, probably even more than that. We cover ages 3 to 11. We have 40-plus diligent, faithful volunteers who not only feed their souls by providing engaging lessons, activities, and crafts, but they feed their tummies with homemade, nutritious meals every Wednesday night. Oh, wait, wait. Don't forget Miss Lou Ann's famous homemade cookies that would place in any county fair. Yeah, you should know. You have definitely sampled every recipe. You know, Candy, we're we're really outgrowing our facilities. I know, I know. It's a good problem to have, and God's Word says that He's able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. And this ministry has definitely exceeded our square footage. And I believe that God has a plan for how we can accommodate this growing ministry and how our listeners can contribute to be a part of reaching the children of this community. Yeah, and you know, a large majority of these children are unchurched, meaning that they do not attend our Sundays, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our Sunday services mm-hmm. and are not members of the church. Yet we're seeing parents begin to attend church find salvation, and be baptized oh. all because of Kids for Truth. Amen. And how many have been baptized, like maybe within the last like 12 months? At least 20, and we're scheduled for more at our next baptismal yeah. service. Yeah, it's coming up. And uh, many of these have been children who have been in our youth programs or in our children's program for many years. Yeah, and you know, so... Little hand listeners, listen, if you want to be a part of what God is doing here and you're local, come join us. We can find a spot for you by serving in this capacity. You will never, ever be the same. Absolutely. And if you're not local, but you want to contribute financially, contact us through 
Facebook, our website, or in this podcast link in the show notes. Asking for money is really not what we like to do, but... Well, it's really an opportunity to be a part of a ministry Mm -hmm. that is changing the lives of children and their families. That's right. So until next time, and it won't be 20 months, please pray for us as we continue this podcast journey. Subscribe to our podcast, and we know that big victories are in our future. Hey, listeners, if you enjoyed our episode and don't want to miss a single episode, hit subscribe. We want to connect with you on a regular basis. Visit us on our Facebook page and at our website, Little Hands Big Victories. Let's celebrate every victory together.